Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm very pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Nancy Baker, former CFO for ASML Semiconductor Capital Equipment Sector, and Stanley Black and & Decker, and an engaged Nevada County citizen. Nancy, welcome to Sages Among Us. Thank you, Lori. Well, it's really fun to have you here. I have recently met Nancy at the Citizens Academy, which is something that the County of Nevada puts on for people to learn more about our community. and. Uh, in talking to Nancy, she just seemed like the perfect person for us to get to know. So, Nancy, uh, I said you, you were CFO of some Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a really amazing background that I want to delve into in a little bit. But I, first of all, I want to start with where did you grow up? So, I was born on the East Coast, actually born in New York, moved to New Jersey when I was three, spent summers in Cape Cod, and then moved to Montana when I was 11 in sixth grade. Where in Montana? Southwest corner in a little town called Hamilton in the Bitterroot Valley. Wow, the Bitterroot Valley. So if I do have my friend that's uh, listening in Stevensville, oh, she, she might just know exactly where that is. She does. <laughs> Stevensville is also in the Bitterroot Valley. Well, it's a beautiful place. So what en enabled your family to move to uh, Montana from the East Coast. So my father was a commercial airline pilot and he wanted to retire in the country. And so at one point he decided, okay, let's let's see what the country is. We looked at places in Pennsylvania, we looked at Idaho, we looked at Montana. We all loved Montana. So my father commuted from Montana to LA to fly 747s out of LAX. He was the first commercial pilot to fly a 747 out of LAX. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So did you get a lot of rides on that 747? Yes, did. <laughs> it was, I had a wonderful childhood. My, and, and you have siblings? I have six siblings. I have four sisters and two brothers. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of kids on the 747. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Um, and so did you have a lot of snow growing up? So actually where I grew up in Montana is very equivalent to where I live here. It's actually the same elevation. We get very similar weather patterns, except for the last two winters. But um, the Bitterroot Valley is considered the banana belt of Montana. So it's the mildest in the summer and, and the winter. And so it's very similar to Nevada City. Well, interesting. So when you were growing up, um, what kind of early passions did you have? Oh, gosh. So I'm very much an outdoors person but and very act active. So... I played basketball, softball, I skied, I hiked, I rode motorcycles, I rode bicycles, I fished, boated, water skied, 
Um, and I played with dolls, watched movies, and traveled. <laughs> and most of that, was that in, in the Montana world, all the active things? Or is that also in the East Coast? Oh, it was also on the East Everywhere, Coast. Everywhere, wherever yeah. you went, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And, and so you had this, sounds like a very full, interesting uh, childhood. Did you know what kind of career you wanted as a kid? <laughs> so when I was in grade school, I actually thought I wanted to p be a police officer because they had the cool uniforms and I love the hats and I collect hats. Um, but then about seventh or eighth grade, I decided I wanted to be the president of Procter & Gamble. That was a very specific <laughs> dream. I, I noticed how many products we used that they produced. And then as I got older, I researched Procter & Gamble and found out they were headquartered in Cincinnati. And I said, nope, I'm not living in Cincinnati. <laughs> but I always wanted to primarily be in finance. So Wow. And yeah. to make it to the, the top <laughs> like you did, CFO, Fortune 500s. Oh, my gosh. So you, you pretty were, were very clear um, in many ways. Oh, yeah. As yeah. a kid. Yeah. And as a large family growing up um did did your parents do a lot of volunteering did your your family were you part of a community that did much volunteering uh, most of my parents activities were uh they were in organizations like my mother was in a sorority or a women's club mm -hmm. where they would you know have have some project each year that you know they would all get together and support and my father was a mason and a shriner and so most of his free time when he wasn't with his kids was um um you know, focusing on what what those groups were were um, tackling at that each given year. Yeah. Did that inspire you as a kid? Uh, most of my my involvement, again, because I was a very active kid, was more like, you know, I participated in 4-H, and so then I would also volunteer at our county fair and the various parades. Bitterroot Valley loves to put on parades, so I would volunteer at parades. And we had, you know, community cleanup days and earth days and things like that that, that most of my family would all volunteer and participate in at some, at some level. Yeah. Yeah, because I can already tell that there's, there's got to be some base of community engagement in, in your life. Or right. I'm making that assumption. Well, so as a 7th, 8th grader, you were looking at that Procter & Gamble big-time <laughs> uh, job. Uh, where did you decide to go to school to follow your dreams there? So I went to the University of Texas at Austin, so I'm a, I'm a Longhorn, and um, majored in accounting. And uh, because that, at the time, I researched what was the best business school in the nation. And number one actually happened to be Illinois, but it snowed in Illinois, and I did not want to go to Illinois. And number two was Texas, so I went to Texas. Wow. <laughs> well, again, this is, you know, fascinating. You, you, you're very focused, yes. you know, that in terms of your business school. And was it a hard transition to go from Montana with all the beautiful mountains to Texas, and I, although I'm not familiar with Austin, it might be beautiful too. It's actually Austin is is my favorite town in or city in Texas, but um, it wasn't necessarily the surrounding. It's that 
the school itself was larger than the entire valley that I grew up in. Wow. So I, you know, went to a school that had 50,000 students. Well, that, that was more than River Valley County had, you know. And so um, being surrounded by that many people all the time, um, it was a little stressful. But, you know, my mom was right there on the phone at any given point in time. I had a, a hard first few days, you know, moving into the dorm and whatnot. Um, but then it, it was great. It was, uh, it's a great school. It was very um, uh, memorable experience. And what were some of your early jobs right out of uh, college? So I love my parents. Um, my parents had the philosophy that you're going to work most of your life. And so they wanted me to experience as much of life um, before I had to settle into my career. So I actually, when I graduated from school, I went home and I spent a great deal of time with my family and traveled for almost two years. And then, I love your parents, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're wonderful. Um, and then I, I moved to Southern California because I always wanted to live in San Diego County. And... Um, got my first job there and spent my whole career in San Diego County or, or uh, Orange County. Yeah, so, so that first company was Symer? Actually, the first company I worked for was a company called ITS, and it was a uh, company that built systems for lotteries and racetracks. Um, none of them were in the U.S. They were all in, you know, um, Hong Kong and Australia and Sweden and and so that was actually my first my first position, and I worked with them for about five years. Well, and I know you also went to the Harvard Business School. So did, did. when did you work that in? So I, when I was at Symer ASML, I um, took took the time off and went to Harvard. Um, about I don't know eight years into working there and um, went to their advanced management program. And that is an experience I will never forget. It was, it's quite rewarding. And I met some amazing world leaders. Um, I was one of the youngest people in attendance there. And there were only 20 women out of 168 participants. Well, you are really an amazing person because becoming CFO of a Fortune 500 company, mm -hmm. you must not have had a lot of women uh, oh, no. peers. Yeah, no, I had none. I had none. Wow. <laughs> but I guess that sense of confidence and, and um, ability that, that seems to have been a foundation in your childhood yeah just carried you through yes I, I believe so I was um I felt like I knew what I was doing and I could if I could add value I was quite comfortable and um I'm very was very much a leader of you know with the team building and mentoring approach and um you know I really truly enjoyed uh, building those teams, and I think those teams are what made me successful. Well, you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Nancy Baker, 
former CFO for ASML, Semiconductor Capital Equipment Sector, and Stanley Black & Decker, and now an engaged Nevada County citizen. So who were some of your mentors? Because again, you're, you didn't have a lot of, you didn't have women role models at CFO. So uh, who helped you along the way? Uh, honestly, my parents. I would credit everything to my parents. Uh, my father was, you know, a safe, self-made man, um, owned many businesses throughout his life, um, was a risk taker, um, enjoyed um, uh, actually managing businesses in his free time. <laughs> and, um, and he was, um, we have, our personalities are very similar. So even though I was the sixth child out of seven, we were very close. And my mom, um, just the down to earth, you know, she was, she was managing seven children. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and your father must not have been around. All, I no. mean, when he was around, uh, uh, the professional pilots, I know they have their free time. They have more concentrated free time, but they're gone a lot. They're gone a lot. Yeah. And so my mom, she, she was organized, but she was very compassionate and understanding. And so I, I think I got the best of both worlds with my parents, and they were great mentors for me. Well, that, that, that definitely helps when you're uh, breaking glass ceilings. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you had this work at, at the, uh, the racetrack place, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, with the chip maker. So uh, what, was, what was that like to be, so you were in San Diego, you weren't in the Silicon Valley. Um, what, what was, why was that uh, in a different look, type of location? So the founders of the company um, graduated. They, they were native San Diegans. And um, so they, they just stayed in San Diego and recruited employees primarily from the Bay Area. Um, and it was very successful there. Um, you know, most of your customers are around the world they're not in the bay area anyway and um so it it worked out you know quite well for them to stay there and you did stay for quite a long time there right yeah i was there for 16 and a half years yeah and so what makes a, a company a good place to put down roots like that so for me personally it's um really respecting and uh appreciating the management team, um, what, their, what their corporate culture is. And um, primarily then if, if, you're, if you believe in the product or the service that your company provides, you, you can stand behind it. And you, you know, they used to say that the uh, CEO and, and president who was one of the founders um, was the, the soul of the company, but I was the heart of the company. Wait, I, I'm backing up a little bit for any of the <laughs> listeners that just heard that the CFO, the person that controls all the money, was the heart of the company. Yeah. So maybe you could explain that a little bit. I, I think because um, I took a little bit of, of a different approach, which um, was sometimes very frustrating later in my career, but um, I believe that, that you can create a, a company that still 
returns, you know, high profits to its shareholders, but is very rewarding for employees. And so I would try and manage that delicate balance um, so that, yes, you know, I can push hard on the budgeting and the financials and because this is what our shareholders are expecting, but we should expect that of ourselves also. So how do we get there so it's still rewarding for everyone? And so my, my approach was, um, I don't know, I guess a, a little more delicate than the slamming the, you know, hands on the table, demanding these types of results. And, and I, because I don't have any experience it, at that level um, with CFOs of Fortune 500 companies, and, and obviously there weren't a lot of women uh, peers, I wonder if that was just your trademark. Yeah, it could be. It could be. It, if I couldn't manage that way, then I would move to another company, and which is actually why I ended up finally leaving them and going to Black & Decker. Yeah, so you did. You did finally leave them. I did. And you went. It, it what sounds like a big, uh, a completely different track. Yes. Um, I actually retired once, and a headhunter called me and said, "Ugh, you got to meet the management team of Black and Decker. You'd really like them." I'm like, "Well, no, I don't think I'm. You know, I'm enjoying my parents. I." They were getting older, and she, no, 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 you, you'd really like them. So I said, okay. So I met them. She was right. They had the same kind of culture that I enjoy. And um, so I went to Black & Decker. Came out of retirement. And so, so, again, <laughs> this is always so fascinating to me. You know, it's the horse racing, the semiconductors, and then tools. Yeah. yeah. But... But from a CFO's perspective, I suppose, just because they sound so different, um, there's so many uh, similarities in terms of ma managing a company. Oh, absolutely. And they're, they were all manufacturing companies. Mm -hmm. So um, I have that, had that manufacturing background where we manufactured all over the world. We sold all over the world. Um, so that I think the manufacturing and international experience um, fit naturally with them. And um, the retail, it's just that you had, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's as your big customers and, you know, Menards and some of these other folks. <laughs> um, and you manage contracts a little bit differently, but, you know, it's, it's all good. So eventually you decided to retire again. So Stanley bought Black & Decker, which... My personal opinion should have been the other way around. And um, Stanley had a different management style that I didn't feel I was a fit for. And so I told them that I would help them with the transition, um, but they should start looking for a replacement or I could help, you know, develop a replacement from inside and that they could consider, and I would give them as much time as they wanted. And so it was about nine months, and um, helped them tr transition, do the acquisition, and got them a new CFO. And decided to retire I again. Decided to retire, and that was it. 
then I was moving. <laughs> so yeah, you, you moved at that point. And did you come directly here to Nevada County? No. So I had an ex-VP um, of tax that moved to Cool and bought a CPA firm in Grass Valley. And I came to visit her and her family and discovered, you know, the area and said, well, you know, I like this area or I like Ashland, Oregon. So we looked at Ashland, Oregon, and I didn't like, I liked Ashland, but nothing else around it. And then we truly stumbled on Nevada City. And Nevada City, to me, had the home comfort feel that I have in Montana. But I'm closer to the ocean. I'm closer to a major metropolitan area and an international airport. Um, so I didn't want to go all the way back to Montana for those reasons. So Nevada City became our home. And so when was that? In 2011. 2011. Yeah. So, you, so you're not new to Nevada County? No. No, but it'll be 12 years in November. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so um, that that makes sense in terms of that connection to that feel of the Montana mm -hmm. um, with the mountains and, and all. Uh, so what kinds of things, once you retired, you moved up here, uh, then did you just take some time off and travel or did what did you end up no. doing? <laughs> I think I work harder now than I ever did when I was sitting behind a desk, um, but it's more physical labor. Um, you know, we continue to work on our property. We've done a tremendous amount of tree work and fire abatements and um, just making it ours. Um, we've built trails on our property. We live on 16 acres and um, just, just making it ours and then exploring the areas. So we do, a, we we all mountain bike. Um, we do a lot of off-roading. So we have, you know, dirt bikes and side-by-sides and Jeeps and just exploring the areas, like to go up all to all the lakes um, and just trying to learn more and more about what we have available to us just, you know, right out of our back door. The, the Pioneer Trail crosses my driveway. I love that part. I don't even have to get in the car to get you're, on my bike. You're just there. That is <laughs> that is fantastic. And you had mentioned to me where I met you in class that you've had a lot of snow this year. Yes, we have. You're, it's you're the most we've had since since we've lived here. You're at a little yeah. higher elevation than downtown Nevada City. Yeah, we are. We're uh, so you've been doing a lot of shoveling. Yes. Well, <laughs> fortunately, that's one of the things we bought a few years ago after a couple winters. We decided we needed a tractor, one, to manage some of our projects, but snow removal. So that tractor has been a godsend and um, really helps because I'm, I'm getting too old to shovel. <laughs> Shoveling is exhausting. <laughs> Even at the lower elevations, it's exhausting. Well, and so have you gotten involved in any of the nonprofits in town over the last few years? So most of my involvement so far was with PFLAG. I was actually the president of PFLAG for six years. Um, I joined that just a couple years after I, I moved here. I met some folks uh, with PFLAG, and I attended two meetings, and all of a sudden I was the president. And, um, but it was a really good group. And, um, so I, I enjoyed that. And we 
um, had a lot of different community activities through PFLAG, which I truly uh, enjoyed. And now I've just, uh, like you said, I've, I'm attending the, the Citizens Academy. I've attended the Community Academy put on by the Sheriff's Department. Yeah, so a lot of people probably haven't heard about these. Um, how did you hear about them? And you want to explain what they are for folks? Sure. So um, I'm, a, I'm a law enforcement supporter. My godson, who I consider my son, um, is a police officer in Idaho. And I always thought our, our sheriff was doing a phenomenal job here. And it came across on my Facebook that they have this community academy. So I researched it and applied and went and learned a great deal about what our sheriff's department is responsible for and how they manage it. And it's quite impressive. And I had a friend who also ended up attending, unbeknownst to each of us, and he said, oh, if you like this one, you'll love the community academy, because he attended a couple years ago. And so I um, applied for that one, and I'm enjoying it just as much. So these are these are not just casual presentations. I mean, you're, oh, no. like, with the sheriff's uh, uh, Academy, that's three months of once a week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, three hours? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half hours. Uh, and then the Citizens Academy is two and a half hours, ten sessions. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do understand it's a fairly competitive process to get into. I mean, you have to fill out an application and, and commit to the time. Absolutely. And yeah. that's a huge commitment. Uh, yeah, and because you, you don't, you one, you don't want to waste your time, but you also don't want to waste the time of all these presenters because they're going to the effort of trying to educate, you know, the the participants. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, I, everyone should attend these. They're wonderful programs, and you learn so much. And if if you you know you can't learn everything, but you have contacts now that, you know, you've met the people, they've given you their contact information. Um, so you can just call them up and ask more questions. It also gives you an idea of where, for me personally, where I may want to volunteer in the future. The more I understand about the county, it, it gives me a, a chance to see, you know, where, where do I think my skills would benefit the community and, and where I would enjoy it. So it's certainly not the Harvard Business School, but no. <laughs> it does kind of resonate in terms of when you are going to do something, you're fully prepared. Yes, absolutely. And, and so I think that is that says a lot about you, and it, and it is an opportunity um, for, for others to find out more about what what is what runs our community. Uh, we've got the wonderful volunteers. We've got the wonderful folks in this community, and then we have some wonderful uh, infrastructure with it, our, our. It it really is impressive all that this this county gets done with the resources they have. It it really is like people like to complain because you know nothing's perfect, but it's pretty impressive. Well, it, we're. Coming to up to the last few minutes here, and and I always like Nancy to, to have a sense of what people think um, if they had a magic wand that you could wave, or you had the ability to to improve something or to eliminate a problem. Um, what you've been here in this community for you know over a decade, um, you're very engaged. What what do you see as 
opportunities or problems for us to address? Well, so first, I truly, really enjoy living in Nevada County and Nevada cities in particular, but we still have pockets of folks that prefer to discriminate or hate or some issues of bullying that I wish, you know, we could we could figure out a way to stop that, to people being more open and accepting and um, stop the bullying. But, you know, I think I'm probably like everyone else and also every other community where um, most communities have a problem with uh, mental health, drug abuse, and homelessness. And they have a tendency to be very tied to one another. And it's a very difficult problem. I don't know what the solution is, but I think every community is is wrestling with that. And I think Nevada County, you know, is no exception to that. So I think we have a lot of work to do uh, around that area. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for being here. I've been talking with Nancy Baker former CFO for ASML, Semiconductor Capital Equipment Sector, and Stanley and Black and & Decker, and a very engaged uh, Nevada County citizen. Thank you, Nancy, for being here. Thank you, Lori. And you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. The purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. Discover how you can make a difference by tuning in Wednesdays at 6.30. Next Wednesday, Sages hosts Brian Buckley and his guest Sharon Delgado from Earth Justice Ministries. Thanks for joining us tonight, and thanks for everything you do to make our community great.